over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. It's time for the Chicago Blackhawks postgame show on the Blackhawks radio network. Here's Joe Brand. Well, it was the best day ever here at the United Center, but unfortunately, the Blues continue. And the St. Louis Blues roll into the UC and they take this one 4-2, handing the loss to the Hawks, who now drop to 6-13-0 on the season. St. Louis with the win. Their fourth straight against the Hawks here at the UC improved to 11-8-1. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 4-30 tonight here on WGN Radio. But right now we're going to head up to the seventh floor and bring in our pal Troy Murray, who was on the call with John Wideman tonight. And Troy, typically when we have a win, we get to chat with one of the Blackhawks players. But I've got, I've got a treat for you. We, we've got a new guest here in the booth after, unfortunately, a loss today. But I, I think... He's got some hard-hitting questions for you, so if you want to go ahead and ask Troy whatever you'd like to, go ahead, mystery guest. Well, Troy, you were one of my favorite players growing up. Uh, <laughs> always loved watching number 19 take face-offs and back-check, and, and uh, I was wondering if you uh, were as disappointed as I was between the benches that the, the hockey team uh, in the home sweaters uh, didn't come out with the kind of, kind of vigor and energy that I thought they were going to come out with after that great win against the Leafs. Well, Darren Pang, Dave, Darren Robert Pang, I agree with you. I, I, you know, I was a little disappointed. I thought they'd come out here, and you, you knew that St. Louis, who got schlacked on home ice uh, Friday against the Nashville Predators, were going to come out here. Father's trip for them, playing with some desperation, got embarrassed the other night. And, uh, you know, I'm a little bit surprised the Blackhawks weren't better off, uh, better early on in this game than they were. The emotion just wasn't there. The carryover wasn't there from Friday afternoon. And that's got to be a little bit disappointing to be in a position to chase this game early against the Blues. And, and Muzz, you know, we're in different positions. But one thing I noticed, you being upstairs and, and, and me being down between the benches, was just the the passes were off or the execution. The, yeah. Did you was that something that uh, you picked up on with your brilliant analysis upstairs? Yeah. No. There there was no doubt about that. The the uh, um, the execution was not good and it slowed down the play. If you're looking mm-hmm. for plays in the offensive zone, they're going to the backhand rather than the forehand and just. You know, the team speed is not all about skating from one end of the ice to the other. It's about the execution of plays as you're breaking up uh, up the ice. And they just, they didn't have it there. Give St. Louis a lot of credit. They clogged up the middle of the ice in their, in their own end of the ice and made it tough to get into that areas. And you had to be a little bit more willing to, to battle in those areas. But you're, you're right, the, the passes were on the wrong side of the equation. They were in the skates and it just slowed the game down. And as soon as you do that at this level, time and space is quickly taken away. And and you were one of the great penalty killers as well. I know there's an art to that, but how is it that the opposition's finding that seam pass uh, is, as easily as they're finding it? Well, that, we were actually talking about that, that that play there, um, you know, shouldn't happen. Connor Murphy was down low, and I think for Soderblom, you, you've got to have some awareness. I thought he was a little bit too far out of his crease, and there's something that you can talk about, but, uh, you know, just kind of unaware of what was on the back door there and just one quick pass to beat Connor Murphy and the goaltender as well because he was focused on the shot but there really wasn't a lot of traffic in front of the net and uh, you know the forwards just got to be in a position where they their sticks are taking that 
uh, that cross seam pass away. You don't you don't want to have that happen. You want to have, if you're going to give up anything, you give it around to the outside. So you take away all the, the the passing lanes through the middle of the ice by stick positioning there, and they were spread out a little bit too far on that play, and it was a wide open opportunity for Thomas to make the pass pass that he did down to uh, uh, who Bush was it? Butch Navitz. Bush Navitz, yeah. yeah. Well, Troy, what I would have done, see, uh, with my little uh, Brian's pads, they were white, they were uh, 27 (laughs) inches tall, they were 14 inches wide. They were taller than you were? Yeah, they were just a little bit taller than me. (laughs) I would have used my left skate, pushed off with it, got my left pad underneath, and did a classic two-pad slide. Wow. Huh? That's what I would have done, Buzz, right there. I I would have liked that. But let me ask you this, Darren Robert Pang. Um, did you feel that Soderblom sometimes overplaying his position just a little bit there and, and not having the awareness of what's going on on the backside, which hopefully you know should be uh, taken away by positioning of your structure defensively? Yeah, I do believe uh, you are correct, Troy. I think there's a there is an art to backing up with the play. There is an art to coming out and challenging the shooter, and then reading, um, you know, how it's coming off his stick. Uh, what I saw right away was uh, number one: Robert Thomas is not going to shoot the puck from there. He's not Alex Ovechkin. He's he's a pass first guy anyway. So the thing that I would be concerned about if I was in the net was where is everybody? Uh, whenever you play against a guy like Robert Thomas or any great playmaker, um, take Nicholas Backstrom for example on Troy, like you weren't really necessarily worried about Nick Backstrom shooting the puck. You're worried about where yeah, the heck is right. everybody else. And, and that's the hockey sense part of it that, uh, that Soderblom's will learn um, you know, I mean, right away this year, Jimmy Waite's been working on little things like number one, uh, covering up loose pucks in front of you. So, you know, he's trying to do a better job of that. And then the next thing's going to be backdoor plays because Toronto beat him with them because basically, Troy, he gets stuck. It's very common. You, you come out, you, you face the shooter, and your knees get locked, your edges get stuck in one spot, and there's no way you're going to have any lateral movement to be able to move you know, to your left or to your right. And also, your hands don't get free, Troy, so that you can maybe use your, your goalie stick and, and, and chip a puck that's off to the side. But uh, hockey sense is everything, and I, 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 I believe that some guys just have better hockey sense than others. Uh, and, and it's something that I think he can learn by studying the players and repetition-wise um, because I, you tend to forget he still lacks a lot of experience at this level. Yeah, how do you practice that? I mean, is it just more experience? Because, I mean, hockey sense doesn't seem like you can work on it in a drill at practice. Is it just something you just generate by more experience? Yeah, there, there's, there's, I mean, there's a way to, to move out of your crease and then, and then come back with the timing of a play. And, and so, so you don't go out and challenge a shooter and then get your edges so locked in, your knees are kind of you know, folding in, and there's no way for you to move. Um, so how can you learn? Yeah, you learn that by, by watching and, and studying the players and studying who, like I, I don't even know, uh, like Arvid, that, I mean, I don't know him that well. On Troy, to know that, d- does he know who's a right-hand shot or a left-hand shot? Does he know, like Troy Murray tells me the other day that uh, Boris Kachuk could usually uses black tape on his stick, but now he switched to white tape on his stick. And those are the little things that, well, as a goaltender, that, that I, you know, that y- you study that. What kind of curve is it? What, what kind of player is it? Uh, is it Adam Oates with the puck or is it Brad Hull with the puck? You know, you, you do have to know those things and that does take some studying and it takes watching and looking and preparing uh, for the team you're playing against. And I, I believe you naturally hockey sense is, is a tough one to teach, but I think you can learn some parts of it myself. 
But in so, in some ways, uh, you know, that is uh, that's uh, you know you can attribute that to technique, and you can change yeah. your technique. You know, maybe not as you mentioned, not locking in, and that's something that he he might have to work on in, in practice because, you know, I I think that if you're, you know, the team has struggled defensively, and obviously when you're offensively challenged the way that this team has been uh, this season to find ways to to score a lot of goals. I mean, goaltending you know any little mistake becomes magnified so you know there's pressure on the goaltender and you know unfortunately he wasn't able to make some key saves early on in this game he made some big saves during the game to keep the Blackhawks within striking distance Uh, but you'd like to have that big save right off the bat that really keeps uh, the momentum in your favor and maybe wakes up the bench a little bit as well yeah I agree with you because I didn't like I personally uh, the, the Hayes shot is a good shot, but for me, that's early in the game. You, you know, there's no other play for Hayes to make, and maybe he got a little bit, you know, instead of coming out and challenging it, maybe he was burnt a little bit by the backdoor play and goals mm. against of Toronto. So there's always that lack of trust. Do I go out and challenge him? He's going to go backdoor. Am I going to, again, not be able to react to that part of it? So, um, but on that one there, I don't know about you, Troy, but I, I just think that uh, that that. Um, you know, there's enough time to reset, come out and challenge on his right before getting beat over to that shoulder. Yeah, but the, you know what? There was a lot of plays, there a lot of things that happened uh, before that, that that gave that opportunity that 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 should have been corrected. You know, you look at the um, the, the the pressure that uh, Bedard and 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 Reichel and and Kurashev were trying to. First of all, like the the puck didn't go in; it went to Bennington, so he was able to play the puck. As soon as he does that, your forecheck is out the window because now you're you're, you're getting beat by a pass. Then uh, the uh, uh, Reichel was in the neutral zone there, and he was on the wrong side of the puck battle. Lost that, and that gave the quick three on two one side of the ice all the way to the other, so he's skating down the left wing side there. you, you got to be in a position to make that save, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, it's a good shot just underneath the crossbar, but at the same time, as you mentioned, there wasn't a whole lot of options there um, for Kevin Hayes to, to, to look at. On, on the offensive side of things, as great as it was to see Boris Kachuk score tonight, it seemed like that's the type of goal the Hawks were trying to set up for the majority of the game, that, that quick push up the, the ice, quick tempo goal. They didn't they didn't have the structure that worked so well against Toronto on Friday. And it's just kind of frustrating to see that not translate over just one game because it worked so well for them against a solid opponent. Well, if you if you look at it, and I think that, uh, I'll take a quick peek at the, the stats here. Um, the, the, the block shots in this game were 21 to 4. So the Blackhawks did have some time in the offensive zone, but St. Louis, I'm sure, you know, under Craig Berube, wanted to tighten it up after giving up eight goals. Hey, let's protect the middle of the ice. There wasn't a lot of shooting lanes. Um, you know, you get one-shot opportunity, and Donato was there, and he, he makes the redirect there. He gets, the, you know, towards the front of the net. But I didn't see a lot of shots coming through that were uncontested, that Bennington really had to fight through and look for those second and third opportunities because there was a lot of crowding around the crease area. So St. Louis did a nice job of, of eliminating those opportunities by being inside the, uh, the structure of the Blackhawks who were on the outside trying to find a way. And I think that's something the Blackhawks could do. They can tighten that up inside their own end of the ice. And if you're tightening it up, you've got everybody back. And as Luke Richardson talked about, if you think of a five on a dice where there's four guys and one guy in the middle, if you've got all those guys in those positioning there, it doesn't matter what the opposition is going to do. The backside is going to be taken away. You're going to be in the shooting lanes, have that willingness to block. So a lot of things that need to be cleaned up here that just weren't in place here today. And as you mentioned, Darren, I agree with you that the lack of execution in, in a lot of areas was, was a big problem. Do you have any other questions for our mystery guest, Troy Murray? Well, 
I or, mean, I, I met the height requirement of our greatest day ever. Um, there's there a couple of uh, <laughs> did you get in for half that price? They were taller than me. But, uh, no, I, I do always, have one question. Do, okay. they, do they have a little booster down there for you to stand on between the benches so you can see over? It was. It's a big booster. <laughs> Muzz, there was a lot of pucks in action going on there. We, I, we I saw you die. I, I, I thought. I thought it was going to be a feistier game because in that first period, um, I. You know, Troy. I love being down there to look for. Uh, is one team aggressive and taking away center ice? You know, or are they just letting the left defenseman just skate up and easily dump the puck in? And I thought gap closure early on, and there was, a, there was a lot of confrontation in front of me early on. So I thought there was actually going to be more grit as this game went on and uh, more physicality and more animosity. Uh, there were times that, that, it, that it was, and there were times that it, it, there was, you know, it, it just kind of disappeared a little bit. Well, I feel like you could just hover over your cough button and just chirp out on the ice a little bit to get the flare well, and the tempers I'll, going a little bit more I'll if tell you want. what, I got a lot of questions asked today, Troy, down at ice level. Uh, Buchnevich thought he got an assist on the first goal. He kept asking me about it. I said, well, so far, no, but I think you touched it in front of me. Uh, and he says, yes, I did. And then in the third period, he said, did you recheck that? And I refreshed everything, and I said, yes, Bucci, you did get an assist on wow. that one. And then... Uh, uh, Tyler Johnson, on that one play in the second period, uh, it was a pass, and he, and he thought he had it off, off his blade, and it went wide. Trevor, uh, Troy, you remember that? It was Which just, one was that it one? Was, it was a play real tight, and I think it went off Scandella's skate. And so I, I get these quizzical looks from the guys on the bench, like, hey, did that hit his skate? Did that hit his toe? And uh, tell you what, Sean Dayer, producer, he was like, he heard me talking to Tyler Johnson, and then, bang, he re-racked that thing uh, oh, like wow. that, and I was able to say it out loud that it, I thought it glanced off the skate of uh, of Scandella because Tyler Johnson was confused, like he couldn't believe, like how did that not go in the net? It had to have hit something, and uh, and Troy, you you would know that at ice level, you feel something, and you're like, what? Okay, what happened? But in Troy's day, of course, we didn't have. Uh, anybody between the benches, and we certainly didn't have monitors, and we certainly didn't have iPads on the bench, and we certainly didn't have an assistant coach with an IFB that's talking to somebody way upstairs. So how did you guys communicate? I mean, hand signals? And, and, that, and that's why I only had 99 points, because I, I couldn't find somebody to, to fill in the equation and make it 100. <laughs> yeah, Muzz. <laughs> There, there, there is too much. There's too much technology in, in today's game. <laughs> you don't get away with a whole lot. <laughs> no, you really don't, Muzz. Your analysis is always spot on, Muzz. I got to be honest with you. I, I love listening to you talk about the game of hockey and going to practice uh, like we did uh, yesterday, and just listen to the way you, you do it. We, we. It's it's very important for, I think, analysts to listen to other analysts, and uh, there's always another point of view. So great job again, as always, there, Muzz. Love you, bud. You too, pal. Hey, thank you very much, Mr. Guest, for popping in. <laughs> You're welcome. Doors always open. <laughs> yes, thanks, pal. That is Darren Paying. I the tell- him to get some cold beers for me down here. If, if you want me to come down here, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Lure how, me in with something, a bottle how, of wine or how, something. I don't know how I'd look if the new guy listen, was just bringing listen, in beers. Okay, listen, Darren spent 14 years with St. Louis, and all he wanted to do was go down and say hello to some of the fathers. So I, I know your motive to go down there today and hang out with the with the uh, St. Louis Blues dads and everything. Yeah, like that. there's. A, a couple of good ones there. Some of them I don't know, but you know what that's like, seeing, uh, seeing the dads and, and seeing the moms on trips. It's, uh, it is special. And uh, one guy I, I always love seeing is Jeff Shen. He's just, just a, a great guy. And he's been on more trips. I think this is his 15th trip between wow. Luke and Braden. 
Well, he, he did a nice job of raising his sons to play hockey the right way. I really sure did. enjoy Braden and Luke the way that they play. It's a hard-nosed game. They, they're like a Nick Foligno. They, they understand yeah. the, the game. They understand when they have to be physical, how to back up players. And, uh, you know, I, I've always uh, really enjoyed watching the Shen boys play. And it doesn't surprise me that the, the father, Jeff, is just like them. You got that right. You got that right, Muzz. All right, pal. Have a good night. So, I'll I got, see you down I here got in a bit. something, right? Yeah, I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's Darren Pang of the television broadcast popping in. Uh, well, Troy, I, I think you guys uh, broke it down. Yeah, what do you got for me, Joe? You got yeah. anything better than that? No, I mean, nothing. I mean, what do you like to do with the rest of your Sunday? <laughs> what else can I ask that's going to bring more insight to the fans now after that? I, I, I don't know, but... Uh, Fun to have a day game. Nice to to have the rest of the Sunday evening. Uh, unfortunately, you know, not the turnout and the outcome that Blackhawks fans were hoping for. But um, like we said earlier, the schedule's kind of pretty raucous. I mean, there's not much of a turnaround. I guess the Hawks are finally able to utilize an off day tomorrow before Seattle comes to town on Monday and like or uh, Tuesday, excuse me. And like you said, Seattle's a scrappy team. They're a gritty team, so that's going to be another tough matchup. Yeah, they they really have to be prepared to to play the game the right way. With David Haxtell, their head coach, I mean, he really stresses because they don't have they, they they constructed their team, you know, as an expansion team with with grit and determination. They're sprinkling in some some of the younger youth and everything. Um, Matty Beniers is a really good young player, and I expect him to be one of their. Uh, captains moving forward. He's got that leadership ability, but they've, they've got guys, uh, guys that grind it out, and they, they play the game the right way. It's hard to play against. Uh, they're a physical group of guys. They play a heavy type of game, so you, you're going to have to be prepared to work. And, and you know, like Darren said there, and uh, it'd be interesting. I'd love to go down in between the benches to, for one game just to kind of get the feel of, of what's going on there and, and, you know, where the emotion is, where it's coming from. Is there emotion on one side of the uh, of the of him and and not on the other side? And I, I just didn't see the emotion early on in this game that I would have hoped to have seen. And Darren was saying, you know, he was he was hoping for it. And and you know, even St. Louis is not a team like Toronto. Uh, but for the Blackhawks, I, I think that when they get emotionally involved in the game, and it was tough because they kind of chased the play around uh, tonight, uh, this afternoon against St. Louis, but when they get engaged, when there is scrums and when there is pushing matches and stuff like that, it just brings everybody into the equation. You bring everybody into the fight when that happens. I just didn't see that in, in this game today. It was kind of a separation of some guys wanted to do it, some guys weren't, and it just didn't mesh, and that's probably why you look at the score and the way it was here. You know, that, that's a great point. It would be interesting to just be a fly on the wall down there for, for even just a period because we, we always take in what we're feeling from up top, and, and it's a great view that we have, and you get to see so much. But, yeah, you can't, you can't really compare the intensity as much as you could down low. That, that would be interesting to see the difference from even just Friday's game to this game. Yeah, we, we have a great perspective up here to see what's going on, but we don't get the feel of the game when you're down uh, around the ice surface. And for Darren to be right in the middle, of between the two benches, you know, I, I think that he gets a really a good a pulse on it, what's going on in the game where we don't get the feel up here. I like this perspective, um, and I really enjoy it because you get to see how plays are broken down and, and where the mistakes were because you're all over the ice, but you do not get the feel of what Darren is in between the benches. Hmm. Very cool. All right, Troy. Well, thanks for tolerating our uh, mystery guest. He popped in, and I, I felt uh, the need to just take advantage of, of that uh, 
different point of view that we never got. So it was, it was he was looking visit. for a cold beard, and uh, unfortunately, <laughs> no, he was. You, you, didn't, you didn't have it down there. Well, like I told him, I, I'm, I don't know how great of a look it would be if the new guy started bringing beers into the, the post-game <laughs> show. I mean, I, I, I like the idea, but I don't know if I'm ready to make that leap. I, I don't know if he understood that. But, yeah, uh, no. he, yeah. He's, he's the best. He's been a great addition. And, uh, you know, Eddie Olchek is one of my best friends, and, and Darren's been one of my best friends for a lot of years as well. So uh, very fortunate for the, for the Blackhawks to have him a part of the TV broadcast. He does a phenomenal job. For sure. Definitely a, a fun time we had here today. All right, Troy, I'll let you enjoy the rest of your best day ever, and uh, we'll talk to you on Tuesday when the Hawks host the Kraken. All right. Sounds good, Joe. All righty. That is Troy Murray. He and John Weideman on the call today as the Hawks fall to the St. Louis Blues 4-2 to from the United Center. Boris Kachuk, his first goal of the season, made it 4-2 to in St. Louis takes the game here from the United Center. It's their fourth straight win against the Hawks here at the UC, and the Hawks move to 6-13-0 on the year. If you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. We'll take your calls. We'll take your texts. Right now we're taking a call from our buddy Devin in Payless Hills. He's an avid listener. Devin, I, I, I wanted to give you credit for calling Joey Anderson's call up from Rockford last week. I know you called into Blackhawks Live, and we're talking about it. You were spot on, and now it looks like you want to chat about the special teams. Go ahead, on WGN. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, Joe, I was just uh, I was listening to the uh, the radio broadcast earlier, and Troy mentioned that uh, the Blackhawks penalty kill uh, eight of the last nine games have given up a goal, and then the Blues went on to score another one, making it nine out of ten. I was just wondering um, what you think the issue is with this uh, penalty kill and our power play as well, currently sitting at thirtieth in the league. Uh, do you think it's a coaching issue or we're just using the wrong guys uh, for the wrong time? Uh, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Again, that's Devin and Payless Hills. If you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. I don't think it's a coaching issue, and I I honestly just think it's it's – a result of all the struggles that this team is dealing with overall, right? I mean, they're having offensive struggles. They're having defensive struggles. They're relying on a lot of rookies defensively right now. Alex Vlasic, Isaac Phillips, Wyatt Kaiser are all pretty much rookies, right? Uh, That's a lot to rely on defensively, and that's a lot to rely on on the penalty kill as well. I know guys like Connor Murphy and and Seth Jones are out there um, as well, but they can't do it all. And the Hawks are just really having a tough time figuring out these lines and figuring out what's going to click together best. We saw a great example of what this team is capable of on Friday against Toronto, and it started with the production from the third line of Nick Foligno, Jason Dickinson, and Joey Anderson. And those three guys were doing a lot of the things that the Hawks did as a full-on team last season, just playing easy structured hockey, um, not being too flashy, not not trying to make the perfect pass each and every time, and just constantly putting the puck in the opponent's zone to make them work and, and put them on defense and put them in a rough spot. And that's why Luke Richardson was so pleased about that effort because it came from that third line, and all three goals during regulation came from that third line. So as, as offensively skilled as you can be with Bedard and Reichel and Kurashev, you still need to get the puck. You still need to win those close battles 50-50, those, those battles in the corner, in order to set yourself up with a high-quality offensive chance. That 
flashy offense, that that high-skilled effort is definitely going to pull through and come into a, uh, a huge benefit later on when the Hawks set themselves up with a solid chance, but, but they're missing out on that right now, and uh, I think that just translates to the special teams because how many times have we talked about it in the past where the Hawks are struggling on the power play because they are getting too cute and they're they're moving around the puck too much and it's just one pass too many. It's uh, it's just that simple brand of hockey that the Hawks need to get back to in order to just create more opportunities. They're not necessarily going to just flip on the switch and start winning games left and right. I don't know, maybe that'll happen, but it's not so much for that. It's It's for a consistent style of hockey to see from this team and I, I mentioned it before, but I'll say it again. They're they're relying on a lot of rookies right now. Lucas Reichel, Connor Bedard. I mean, Bedard is clearly a rookie. Lucas Reichel is basically a rookie, too. I know he played a lot last year, but not this consistently and not right out of the gate. Now Cole Gutman and Joey Anderson have a ton of responsibilities. Uh, as I mentioned before, Korchinski, Phillips, Vlasic, Wyatt Kaiser, all basically rookies on the defensive side of things. So it is you're still going to see a lot of these growing pains. And again, it was it was a little bit easier to swallow last year because so many guys bought in immediately to what Luke Richardson was preaching. And everything just seemed to be a smooth transition and uh, a full 60 minutes for almost every game. Um, so that is why it's a little bit frustrating moving down the line. Again, if you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. You can call or you could text from the 779 area code. Hi, Joe. Thanks, Panger, for taking me back in the day. We'll get him Tuesday. Let's go, Hawks, from the Wells family. Yeah, it was fun to have Darren Pang here and uh, chat with Troy Murray. It's it's always fun to just be a fly on the wall when those two exchange uh, hockey information and, and just shoot the breeze. But, uh, you know, we're tucked away here in the basement of the United Center. And it's pretty cool because we're on the other side of both dressing rooms. And we're actually right next to the uh, visiting coaches room. But there's just a ton of traffic in the hallway. And whenever I see anybody, whether it's the Blackhawks broadcasters or the visiting team broadcasters, and they kind of check out our setup, which... Don't get me wrong, love it, but it's it's basically like a, it almost seems like an interrogation room, just a whole bunch of gray walls, gray floor, gray ceiling, and uh, some dim lighting. But uh, the acoustics are great. We definitely enjoy it and appreciate it and love it. But I tell them, hey, this door is always open. So if you want to swing by, if you want to pop by, you have some thoughts to share with the listeners, feel free. And I told Darren Peng that today, and he took advantage of it today. So it was pretty cool, and uh, hopefully... Anyone else around here who's listening, uh, I know the fans can't just wander on down here, but uh, anyone else who uh, would like to chime in, that, that door's always open. Here's Korchinski chasing the puck back in the Hawks zone, beaten to it by Jake Neighbors, moving in, he shoots and scores! Jake Neighbors got just ahead of Kevin Korchinski, just enough to get to a loose puck, outraced into the Hawk net and put a backhander by Soderblom, and the Blues lead one to nothing. That kind of set the tone. St. Louis would elevate it to a 2-0 lead in the first period. Finished that opening 20 minutes with a 3-1 lead, and then they eventually take the game from the Hawks 4-2 here at the United Center. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 4-30. If you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. We chose that highlight because that first goal scored by St. Louis now makes it five straight games where the Hawks have coughed up the game-opening goal. Uh, John Hansen, one of the United Center hosts, along with Jenna Rose, they do a fantastic job here with the in-arena entertainment, uh, posed the question, if the Hawks have ever scored first 
in a home game, and it has actually happened more than you thought. Uh, they did for a stretch of three straight games in the beginning stages of the month of November. They did it against the New Jersey Devils and the Florida Panthers, and uh, they also did it earlier this year against the Vegas Golden Knights. How could you forget the home opener? Connor Bedard scoring in the first minute, or was it 90 seconds in? Uh, and the home opener right after that loud ovation of the national anthem, just a, a great moment here at the United Center this year as it was uh, Connor Bedard's first goal on his first shot at the United Center, and when that happened, back on October 21st, we were talking about how the last guy to score on their first shot at the United Center with the Blackhawks was Jonathan Taves. So kind of eerie how similar those two situations are. A 4-2 loss to the St. Louis Blues today, though, as it gives the Hawks uh, their 13th loss of the season. They do drop to St. Louis for the fourth consecutive time here at the United Center and are unable to get a set of back-to-back wins for the first time this year. We do have some sound from the Blackhawks dressing room. You know, we started the pregame show with a lot of Nick Felino. Let's hear what Nick Felino had to say after this rough loss. How do you sum that one up tonight? Uh, disappointing. Yeah, we, uh, I didn't like our start. Um, you know, we talked about this. Like it's 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 building winning habits in here and understanding what those are. You know, it's like I understand in, in sports world a lot of cliches get thrown around, right? Like words, buzzwords, and but there is a there is a definition behind a lot of them and a, and a commitment behind it. And then that's what we have to learn in here is just how to do it over and over again. And, and we talk about it. Sometimes it's not fun or exciting, but it's how you win in this league. And Tonight we just you know we 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 kind of gave them gave them those goals in a lot of ways right we're not over checks we're not reloading and then boom 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 they're in the back of the net and then we push back and we get get our game going we get a goal and um, but then we just don't sustain it right and so it's it's a disappointing one because you know we really felt like we were understanding of how we had success against Toronto and now we're right back in the loss column. You feel like uh, with, with this team is. Uh, the Blues being kind of a heavy team is hard to sustain the four shakes, sustain all those old time. No, because we did at certain points, right? Like we, we hemmed them in for a while, a couple of shifts, especially in the second period. And um, it's just a mindset of, of going into a battle and, and winning it because you know it, you need to for your team to have success, you know, and understanding that. Like, you know, why do you dive on a back check or back check so hard when they're going the other way? It should be the same in any kind of battle you're playing in or opportunity that you have on the ice. It's, it's, it's just winning against the guy across from you. And if we have that mindset, then a lot of that stuff sorts itself out. And all of a sudden now you are on the offense. You are holding on to pucks. And you can see it in our game. We have a, the ability to do it. We have heavy guys. We have guys who understand how to play below the, the dots. And, um, you know, but there's a selflessness to it that, that it's not easy. You know, that's why, you know, there's only a few winning teams and there's a lot of teams that are trying to find themselves. And we're kind of in the ladder where we're just one win, one loss, one win, one loss. It's it's a frustrating uh, road to be on, but we have to understand why we're in it. You know, we can't just be like, ah, OK, we'll get the next one. Well, we're 20 games in now, you know, a quarter way through the season. or 19, I know 19 games. Uh, congratulations to Nick Felino as well, playing in his 1100th game of his career, but unfortunately a 4-2 loss to the St. Louis Blues. And, you know, he's right about, it's kind of what Troy Murray was talking about earlier. The, the Hawks did have a lot of shots. They had a lot of shots blocked, and there were sustained drives in the Blues zone. They They weren't 
able to capitalize on a lot of it, though, too. And um, you, you can sense the frustration in Felino's voice. And also, he continues to say a lot of the same things. That That's not a knock on him. It, it just continues to be the same problem for this Hawks team. So it's uh, it's just frustrating to see the same types of problems going on when you know, when they don't happen when this team wins, when this team can show what they can do well and can show that they can play the style of hockey that Luke Richardson has been preaching but uh, still has trouble just making that consistent. Uh, We're unfortunately not going to get to all the sound that we have today. Just want to pull out this quote. Uh, Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times tweeted it out about Connor Murphy. We didn't have... Uh, We didn't start well. We didn't have enough focus or compete to start of the game. That led to us getting behind. We started to piece it together after that, but you can't get down two two goals that early. Yep, totally agree. Uh, St. Louis set the tone early, a 2-0 lead, eventually a 3-1 advantage by the end of the first period. And the starts matter, especially for this Hawks team that has been doing a decent job of catching up, but in order to fully catch up, you need to score the goals as well, and that's where they're missing out in that regard. Seattle saves it up top. Here's Ty Karche. Scores! Ty Karche from the high slot goes off the bar and in the Seattle Kraken are on the board. 2-1, 231 to play in the second. Everett Fitzhugh of KJR, Seattle Sports Radio 950. He's the radio voice of the Seattle Kraken, and that is the team that the Hawks will host on Tuesday here at the United Center. That's our next game preview, which is sponsored by Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time. I know that he and our own John Weideman have a connection because they both broadcasted in the minors in Cincinnati. So a cool little tie-in between the uh, radio booths of the Hawks and the Seattle Kraken. Hawks fall to the St. Louis Blues today, 4-2 to two from the United Center. Uh, really quickly, before we get to around the uh, out-of-towns, want to just point out what happened today at the best day ever, the first best day ever here at the United Center. If you were here at the UC and Confused why there was uh, a youth focus? Well, it's something the Hawks are doing now. One of five games that they'll be putting an emphasis on the younger generation, the new generation of Blackhawks fans. Great job by all the kiddos that did uh, the in-arena hosting, the PA announcing. Uh, Jared Tenorti's daughter said the lineup. That was pretty cool, and uh, expect more of those throughout the year. Let's quickly go over to Detroit. Larkin wins the draw on the slot. Got the spare to Perron. He scores! What a heads-up play by Gostaspear. He hung on the puck, saw David Perron in the left circle, who hammers it home. That's two power play goals for Perron, and it's 3-1 Detroit. That's Ken Kell of 97.1 FM, the ticket. Detroit with a 4-1 winner over Minnesota. Detroit's now won three straight. Minnesota has lost seven straight and have lost 13 of their last 16. Blackhawks Hockey is sponsored by Sitgo. When you start with Sitgo, you're good to go. United Airlines, your Chicago and Northwest Indiana Hyundai dealers, Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time, and Northwestern Medicine. Big thanks to Colin McCarthy and Sammy Martino and Krista Flores back at the WGN Studios here at the United Center. Jack Heinrich, John Weideman, and Troy Murray with the call, and Nick Hefner filling in for Paul Zarang. Ron Brown has your news next. After that, it's Karen Conti. I'm Joe Brand. For everyone that I mentioned, Hawks fall to the Blues 4-2. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We will talk to you on Tuesday.